chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Who's making it to the Valentine's banquet coming up? All right. Guys, shower. Shave. And I don't do a tie. You do this week. Nice suit, tie. And come off the hip for $2.12 and get that thing starched. Look real nice for the Valentine's banquet. I'm sure the girls will be dressed to the nines. And I look forward to this um, romantic night. I'm kind of a romantic anyway, hopeless romantic. So food's going to be wonderful. Great time of fellowship together. And I look forward to seeing you uh, here at Valentine's banquet this week. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church at Corinth. Corinth is known for its commerce, its carnality, and a plethora of false gods. They worship gods that weren't gods, false gods, uh, images of gods, pictures of gods, gods of nature, gods of sun, just they were an idolatrous, idolatrous town. And this is what Paul writes them in the 11th chapter. Would to God that you would bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I'm jealous over you. Who's you? These are the Christians, the born-again Christians in this ungodly environment at Corinth. I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I've espoused you to one husband that I might present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, that your minds would be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity means an unmixedness, unadulterated. I'm, I'm fearful that you're going to be beguiled and tricked by crafty spokespersons from the simplicity that is yours in Christ. For if another cometh preaching another Jesus... Whom we've not preached. Or if you receive another spirit. Which you have not received. Or another gospel. Which you have not accepted. I'm afraid that you would bear with them. Or listen to them. Or be affected by them. This morning. Especially if you're a guest with us. I'm not making apology for this. But I'm going shepherd this morning. I'm not trying to move you to change. I'm not trying to exhort you to achieve. I'm not trying to inspire or motivate you. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking along the line this morning that if this were my last time to speak to you and God were to take me home, I pray that you would not be tricked in this last day by charlatans, by ministers that transform themselves like an angel of light, by those who are crafty with the word of God, splicing one scripture from this, mixing it together. I'm, I'm trying to make you wolf proof. I'm trying this morning to preach in such a way that you would not listen to those who would try to take you back into Mosaic law to fulfill the law because by the law shall no flesh be justified. That you would not allow anyone to add anything to the message. Nor let anyone take anything away from the message. Because the message of Christ and the gospel you received. And the spirit that you received. And the Jesus you received. Was explained to you in the word of God simply. And it is simple to live with Jesus. It is simple. And what God expects of you. 
Don't be confused in this last day. Be careful of signs and wonders for signs and wonders sake. Be careful for those that speak with great thunder and passion and power. Always revert back to simple. Don't let anyone trick you. Will God use evangelists and pastors and teachers? Sure he will. Does he use it for the edification of the body? Sure he does. But the Bible says when he gave you his spirit, you have no need that man would teach you. So if he gives them us these gifts to teach us and he tells us that he would have no, we'd have no need for man to teach us what he was saying. What was he saying? He was saying that as far as the simplicity of the gospel and your walk with God, you don't need anybody to confirm it or change it. It's simple. And that's what I want to speak to you this morning about the simplicity that's found in Christ. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you for this opportunity that's mine this morning to preach your word. I am not deceived or deluded into thinking I have the ability to help anybody. But, oh Lord, if you anoint me this morning and I have your word hid in my heart, I may be able to communicate it with a clarity and power that would bring a deeper allegiance to Jesus and more eternal fruit from our vines that are connected to our soul. I pray, O Lord, that you would allow open hearts, receptive hearts, for those that need correction, for those that need adjustment, and for those that just need encouragement that they're doing the right thing. The entrance of your word gives light and life. Let your word enter our soul this morning so that Jesus would be glorified by our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. It says, be careful that you don't receive another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. Why would Paul say that unless it were possible for you to swap out the Christ that you had for one that looks like him? We wouldn't swap him out for one that looked opposite, but he said, make sure that you don't receive, you who are Christians, another Jesus another spirit, and another gospel. Let's look at this, these three and focus on the first one. Another Jesus. One who was not God. Not God eternal and not Lord of all. Make sure that you don't have room in your heart for any other gospel that proclaims a Messiah, a Lord who was not God from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, glories of the only begotten of God, full of grace and full of truth. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You'll hear people today and all the different religions are bleeding over. And in our desire to conform and be like everybody else, we said, well, Jesus was, you know, he was like God or he was one of many gods. No, he was God. The Watchtower Bible will tell you in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. No, he wasn't a God. He was Jehovah God. From the beginning before the world was, Christ was in the beginning, and there wasn't anything made that was made that he didn't make. There was none before him, and there will be none after him. Make sure that you don't throw Jesus in the mix with all these other gods or religions or faiths. Christianity cannot blend with any other religion. That's why we are hated by all men because it's not an issue of tolerance. It's an issue of God's decree. If it's God's gospel, then he gets to write the gospel. There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
One Jesus. One Jesus. And I don't have any time for Christians that bash other people or bash other faiths in the sense of being, um, trying to hurt or wound. But having said that, it does God nor me nor them any good to act like I don't know the difference. And no, we're not like you. And no, we're not like that religion. Christianity stands alone as the truth. Be careful that you don't get another Jesus, one who was not perfect. He was sinless. He was the God-man without flaw, without sin. Hebrews tells us, for we do not have a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but he was in all points tempted like we were, yet without sin. Well, Christ was a good man. He was the spotless Lamb of God. Wasn't a good man. Wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just uh, like a Messiah. He was the sinless Son of God, God made flesh living among us. We believe that Jesus was a good man. That's, that's another Jesus. Won't listen to it. Won't have part of it. Well, you're just closed-minded and arrogant. And it, uh, you're not, what's the word they use now? Uh, first of all, you're uh, not relevant. And, uh, you know, because truth is relative. And you're not, you don't understand relativity. Oh, I understand it. Relativism is, to me, the height of ignorance. Relativism says that there are no absolutes. So you're telling me there's no absolutes. There are no absolutes. Your statement is an absolute statement. And if there are no absolutes, by you declaring that there's an absolute, it's an absolute statement which destroys your theory. Get the tape. You'll you'll understand that later. Christ was God and is God and is perfect and was perfect. Be careful of another Jesus, one who is not the fulfillment of Scripture. All the Old Testament, all the references to the Lamb to come, the scapegoat that was to carry our sins out of the city, the laver, the blood on the mercy seat, all of the Old Testament points to Christ being born of a virgin in the city of Nazareth, being raised in Galilee, prophesying about his, how he was to be crucified and how he was to die and on what day he was to be uh, raised. Be careful of these religions that are focused around man and how it makes man's life better. Our faith, our Christ, was focused around God and what God did and how it originated with him. Christ is the fulfillment of Scripture, the fulfillment of the law. Be careful of another Jesus, one who cannot identify with us. And one who is not accessible and personal to us as individuals. Be careful that you don't buy into this new savior being presented. That you have to come through man to get to him. The evils of Roman Catholicism. Well, are you saying people can't be saved and be Catholic? Listen to what I'm telling you. Roman Catholicism has an evil thread that runs through it. Like every other religion that says you must come through a man to get to God. We do not come through men to get to God. Jesus is my mediator. I don't have to call you when I'm in trouble. I can call God. I have a name. I use a name. You don't need a priest. You don't need a preacher. You don't need a bishop. You don't need a pastor. You don't need another Christian. You have the name of Jesus. 
And if you think your odds go up when you ask me to come pray for you in the hospital, then when you ask him in a secret place using the name of Jesus, you're real close to coming into another Jesus. Well, I, I, I want to shake John's hand. You might as well shake a donkey's tail. So we're clear on the issue. I love it that at two in the morning, when I can't sleep, I don't have to call a man and say, Jesus, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And the door swings wide open. Well, you need to go through this process. Mm -mm, He was my process. Paid my debt, opened the way. The Bible said through the destruction of his flesh, he opened up a way, a new and living way, which was consecrated through the veil. That is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near in full assurance with boldness of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. I don't need anybody to get to God because Jesus was my way. You missed a great place to say amen. That was a good place to say. Be careful of another Jesus, one who is not altogether powerful. Don't buy into this deluded Jesus where he's, well, he's trying to help me. All power is his in heaven and in earth. He rules and reigns and the earth is his footstool. He decrees something from heaven and it happens in the earth. He's all powerful. He's not trying to be powerful. He doesn't experience momentum. He speaks to things that are not as though they are. Don't let anyone talk you into a gospel where the Lord is kind of anemic and at a distance and can't help. God can do anything. He speaks to things that are not as though they were and they become. One of my favorite illustrations, I've probably used it a hundred times in 18 years because it's just so vivid to me. I remember when the Lord gave it to me. It was like, John... What what would happen if I spoke over you? John Wood is a woman. I said, I I remember out loud, I said, well, you wouldn't say that because you can't lie and I'm not a woman. He said, no, you'd become one. I know you think that's silly, but think about this. Because when I speak over something, my word never comes back unfulfilled. And some of us are trying to maneuver and manipulate God to do something in our life. And all we need to do is go get alone and get his ear and let our petitions be made known. And if God wants something in your life, he just speaks it over you and it happens. All powerful. Be careful of another Jesus, one who is not always present. He's with me every moment of every day when I'm aware of him and when I'm not. If you believe God was with you every moment of every day, what would you ever be afraid of? Jesus, yes, right here. According to scripture, not only is he present, being omnipresent, his spirit's in me. So, theologically correct, I could say, Jesus, or Jesus, with me. And I ain't trying to be funny. He is with me. Wait a minute, not just with me, for me. Wait a minute, ahead of me. Wait a minute, behind me. Wait a minute, surrounding me. Wait a minute, where can I go from his presence? If I make my bed in hell, he's there. If I take up the wings of the morning, he's there. 
Where can I go from his presence? Nowhere. Be careful you don't bind to this religion, which means I have to get to a building. Now listen, there's a blessing in corporate worship that cannot be found in the secret place. That's true. But as far as getting to God, you don't have to find this house, me, or light a candle. He's with you. John, you're taking shots. No, I'm seeing people be cheated out of the simplicity of Jesus Christ in their life. It's wrong. It's wrong. Be careful that you're not talked into another Jesus, one that is not consistently faithful. That's one of my favorite things about him. Faithful and true. People will cheat on you. People will lie to you. They'll swear something to you and walk away. People will take advantage of you. Jesus, by being faithful, that means I will never do anything to your harm. Never. So I've served the Lord and he hurt me. Wait a minute, wait a minute. The dentist hurts me, but he don't harm me. And the things in your life you're screaming about that God's hurting you, what he's doing is he's healing and protecting you And you're worried about these current circumstances and they're working in exceeding great reward for the eternal life to come. My God is faithful. If he was ever unfaithful one time, he wasn't God. You think really that you're going to be the first person in the history of the world that God lets down? He's been faithful all this time, but he's going to fail you. It never sounds so silly till we hear somebody else use our excuse, does it? Faithful and true. Be careful that you're not talked into another Jesus. One who is not Jesus. Be careful not to create your own Christ different from the one described in Scripture. Be careful of those who impersonate Christ and want to take your place or take his place. If someone came to me and acted like my wife tried to sound like my wife, tried to dress like my wife, and used nicknames and pet names that we use one with another, that dog will not hunt. I'm like, who do you think you are? And men will come in, the Bible says, just like the devil did in the garden, and will mimic Jesus to you or preach another Jesus so that they can swap this glittery aluminum foil crown For the golden crown of your relationship with God. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. You're not going to fool them. Be careful of those that impersonate Christ. And be careful careful of the celebrities that talk about him. One of my daughters and I were talking this week. And I love the fact that she's a woman of God on her own. I get to speak to her, but she's a woman of God on her own. And we sharpen one another. And I'm going to throw this out there so I'll be an equal opportunity offender and make everybody mad today. But that's okay. Because when I answer to God for this church, you're not going to be there. I'm going to be standing by myself answering. So listen to this. Be careful of celebrities, pastors, preachers, teachers, musicians, Christian groups. Be careful. Anyone that would allow you to draw or would plan to draw your attention or receive your affection that was reserved for Jesus Christ, be careful of that. It's like someone, an announcer, 
let's say, a, a Christian music band. And I love Christian music. I listen to it. I'm for it. I love good preaching, good teaching. But if you got enamored with the guy introducing the band, and the band's on stage, you go, you're really going to like tonight. Tonight we have to get off the stage. The band's right behind you. Can you imagine someone coming to me? I want to tell you about Kelly Wood. Kelly's a fine young girl. She's 35 years old. She reigns from, I'm like, get out of the way. Kelly's right behind you. I don't need to talk to you. You catch the irony of this? We will flock to hear people talk about Jesus and be excited about Jesus and not flock to and be excited about being alone with God in our home. Do you hear me? That's another Jesus. Why would I want the announcer when I could have the Lord? Now, do I listen to preaching? Absolutely. Do I listen to teaching and, and worship music? Yes, but all they're doing is stoking the flame so that I can be with him. Be careful that you don't give your affections or attentions to someone else because anyone that does ministry that will accept the affections that are supposed to be reserved for Jesus Christ, something's wrong. Because we are just a voice crying in the wilderness. That's it. Prepare the way because the king's coming to you. That's why there aren't supposed to be celebrities. Now, do we have recognition based upon influence and visibility? Absolutely. But there ought to be a humility in preacher, teacher, and musician that says, I'm just telling you about him. I'm just telling you about him. I didn't get many amens, but it's the truth. Be careful of celebrities that have influence over you. I wouldn't want my wife to get excited about somebody talking about me. I want her to get excited when she sees me. Number two, be careful of another spirit. And by spirit, I mean spiritual entity, spiritual movement. Not every spirit is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God, personified, expressed. There are many spirits in this world and many imitators. Be careful of a spirit that does not originate with and center around the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, I just felt the Lord. Be careful that that's not your determining factor. Because the devil, the Bible says the devil can imitate God's uh, presence. He transforms himself as an angel of light. Glowing, uh, glowing with glory. And you can be tricked that way. I want to know from that spirit where it comes from. Where does the teaching come from? The preaching come from? Does it originate with God? And does it focus upon the person of Jesus Christ? Because there's great anointing today in teaching with a little bit of scripture thrown in about how God wants to make your life better. And if the teaching and preaching does not lead you back to the person of Jesus Christ, it's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible said the Holy Spirit will not testify of me. But he'll bring all the things back to your remembrance that I've shared with you. It will glorify Jesus. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Not you. Jesus. When I turn on preaching, I'll hear just enough Bible. And then it all gets back to the Holy Spirit wants to work in my life for me. Wrong. Because the message is not man-centered. It's God-centered. And he wants to bring glory in our life so that our lives would be changed, transformed into the image 
the reflection of Jesus to bring all glory back to Him. So it starts with God, reaches us, and turns it back to God. Be careful of another spirit, one that is a counterfeit to the Holy Spirit. Counterfeit spirits showcase themselves. The Holy Spirit points to Christ. John 16, 13 says, How be it when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. Watch. For He will not speak of Himself. He will not promote Himself. He does not promote... You'll see people promote a move of God. Are you saying all those that promote themselves that are on a move of God? No, what I'm telling you is that if it's of the Holy Spirit, the promotion will not be the event that's taking place. The promotion is not in the powerful manifestations that are seen in the altar. The the, The Holy Spirit will promote the person of Jesus Christ, not the things going on. Those are byproducts. He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself. But what he hears, he will speak and he will show you things to come. Jesus said, he will glorify me. The Holy Spirit will glorify me and receive of mine and show it unto you. And all the things that the Father hath are mine. And he will take the things that are mine and show them unto you. Here's how you know when the Holy Spirit is operating in your life or in a church service or in a gathering where you are. You are constantly being shown more of God, which causes deep humility and surrender in your life which is more dedication to God, which produces, produces more fruit for God out of your life. G- look in your Bible when you get home and look for the word excitement or exciting. Now, I will be the first to tell you, when you walk with God, it ain't never boring. <laughs> and it can be very exciting. It can be exhilarating. But to hear some tell it today, the goal of the Holy Spirit is to make the service exciting. And I'm not for dull. You know what I'm saying? I don't believe dull is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But no, that's not the goal. The goal of the Holy Spirit is not to see how revved up He can get you. It's how fully devoted to Jesus Christ He can make you. Don't be tricked. Don't be tricked. And don't be tricked in these dead churches that tell you there's no life. God is resurrection power. But everything He does in your life is to turn you back to simple devotion unmixed adoration to Jesus Christ. Be careful of another spirit, one that does not lead out of darkness into light. The Holy Spirit working in your life is not primarily about healing your physical body, although that's operation of the Holy Spirit, gifts of healing. But it's crystal clear. He, he, he broods over chaos and brings order. Genesis teaches us. The Holy Spirit's the one that calls you, he, you. God speaks over you and the Holy Spirit transforms you and moves you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Out of error into truth. Out of self-centered into God-centered. The Holy Spirit's always bringing you out of something and bringing you into something. It's not the Holy Spirit dropping gold dust out of a ceiling for you. Saints, wise up. God is not about snake oil and, and, and gimmicks. He changes us from the inside out. And he moves us towards him and himself, preparing us for eternity with him. It's all about change. The Holy Spirit does not waste his time on little displays. How can you say that? Look at the scriptures. Look in the book. Every time they demanded her sign, Jesus ignored them. 
And then he made this statement, evil and adulterous generations look for those things. Now, I'm going to tell you this so you don't take me out of context. My God will do such dramatic things in your life that you can classify them as signs and wonders. You look and go, look at the power of my God. But that's not the goal. The goal is a simple, unadulterated devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you be tricked. Be careful of another spirit that does not lead out of bondage into freedom. See, if the Holy Spirit's operating in your life, He won't let you stay in error. He won't leave you bound. Oh, I had three visions, two dreams, and I fell out this morning. Whoop, whoop, whoop. You know what I found? The Lord hasn't spent most of my life knocking me down. He's asking me to stand up. And to live, come out of bondage into freedom. Come out of error. I see people walk out of false doctrine, not because somebody beat it. They just beat it out of them. They just read the book. And the Holy Spirit communicates truth. And they come out. See, the Holy Spirit's always bringing you out of and into. Be careful of another spirit. One that does not get grieved or does not provoke you to repentance. Thankful that the Holy Spirit in my life won't let me get by with nothing. It's not legalism. It's like, don't watch that. Well, all these other Christians. I didn't ask you about all them other backslid Christians. Don't you watch it. Don't you watch it. Well, I don't want a Holy Spirit like that. I'll create one that'll look on my junk and say, God's okay with it. And let me pay an eternal penalty for it. Be careful that you don't have a Holy Spirit that can't convict you. And say, I know you did that for the last 20 years, but you ain't doing it no more. And now men don't get to tell you what that is. That's why I don't get on soapboxes and tell you where you can't go or what you can't do. But I will tell you this. If you walk with nothing in the way between you and God, he's going to correct you. Anybody else? He'll, he'll take you out back too. Yes, he will. I don't believe in that. Well, you've created your own God because the word tells us despise not the chastenings, the whippings of the Lord. Because it's proof that you're his children. Because whom he chastens... He loves. That's the book. I know we don't do that today, but he still does. <laughs> Be careful of another spirit that does not stir your affections for God. See, we like to get exhilarated, and the Holy Spirit wants to get us affectionate. Or someone will name his name, and you start crying. They go, you okay? Yeah, I don't know what's wrong with me. I just... I just love the Lord and I hear about God. And I remember when I first got saved, the signature mark of the Holy Spirit for me was he just tenderized my heart. I walked into Christian bookstore for the first time. I lived like hell all those years. And I walk into Christian bookstore, literally, a little bell on the door. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> just walk in. I'm not exaggerating. Does anybody identify with me? See this cheesy picture on the wall. Got a shepherd holding a lamb. And he's got it over his shoulder. I go, that's me. And <laughs> he's got me on his shoulder. I'm just standing there just crying. And to the world, that looks so stupid. And you can laugh now. But let me tell you what the Holy Spirit does. He stirs my face. Oh, that's what you did for me. Oh, I was the one. You're reading the book. And you left everybody in the church building, came and found my hiding place. I just bless you, Lord. 
I just thank you, God, for who you are. My button won't work. Hold on. I just thank you, Lord. Ain't a shame. You're in the mall and his spirit blowing you. Aren't you grateful? And you go, Lord, here in the mall? Yes. And you just lift your hands. God, I bless you. I thank you. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed to hold my wife's hand in public. I'm not embarrassed to dance with her in public. And I'm not embarrassed to worship and thank God in public. He stirred my affections. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not arrogant. I'm just not embarrassed. You take his name in vain, I may walk over to your table and say, if you knew him, you'd never curse him. I'm not embarrassed. Holy Spirit doesn't just let you live private by yourself. I'm a secret Christian. That's like being secret married. He'll also stir compassion for other people. Don't tell me you have the Holy Spirit and you live self-centered. Oh, I hit something then, didn't I? Because as the Father sent Jesus, so he sends you. And his Holy Spirit will make you conscious of that person by themselves, that lonely person, that wounded person. And you'll start to pour out your life. Be careful of another spirit that does not give preeminence to the Word of God. Listen carefully to what I'm about to tell you. Oh, I just, I just sensed him. That was the Lord. If that sensing or that vision or that dream... Or that prophetic declaration or that sermon, if it violates, contradicts, or dilutes the word of God, it was a false spirit. It will never. I've had people look me in the eye, tell me they were speaking by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit told me last in my dream last night that this man I'm with is not my husband. He's shown me who my husband is. You think I'm making this stuff up. And I'm, I'm so old now, I just, I'm like, old, you know, old people tell you the truth. They don't care. Old people will tell you the truth. Does my butt look big in this to you? Yes. Yes, it does. I looked this lady in the eye and said, have you lost your mind? Excuse me? I said, you used God's name and said that God told you by his spirit. Something that contradicts the word of God. You've been deceived, woman. And she gave me that look. I don't know who you think you are. And I I could answer it with my countenance. I'm the one that's siding with the word of God. Be careful that your feelings and your visions and your dreams and this great apostle and prophet you're listening to. If they contradict the word, that's not the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will glory And give preeminence and honor to the word of God because the word of God is the express image of Jesus. Be careful of another spirit that does not compel you to worship and remind you to praise God. Be careful of another spirit that does not lead you to a life of liberality and generosity. And be careful of any spirit that focuses on your today and now more than uh, eternity and tomorrow. The Holy Spirit constantly tells me, look towards heaven, John. You're going somewhere. Don't don't set up your treasures here on earth. Throw them over to the next side where rust nor moth nor thief can get to it. The Holy Spirit's constantly getting ready for tomorrow. I'll hear these false apostles and false prophets and false pastors preach on what? I mean, with such vigor. I don't want to hear nothing about no later on. I want it now. And my spirit will go, "Mm." Y'all know how your spirit will go, "Mm." Yeah, God wants to take care of me now. But this is the rehearsal, buddy. This ain't the dance. 
Some of us feel like we've been shortchanged on this side if we tell the truth. We didn't have the parent somebody else had. We didn't have the spouse that someone else had. We didn't have the physical freedoms that other people have. We might be limited physically or emotionally or relationally or mentally. We see the little Down syndrome boy. You got that I don't know why. And you see that lady that loves the Lord and her husband died young. And we see all these things and we don't understand. But faith reaches out and said, God is orchestrating my life. It's sorrows and it's glories. With perfect knowledge preparing me for eternity. Eternity. I want a Holy Spirit that's looking for... Well, I want a spirit to guide my life. The Holy Spirit that's looking toward my future. Not the clamorings of a little child that's thrown a tantrum in the smoothie king saying they want a smoothie now. Oh, we're going to have something now. That's what, yeah, we're going to have something. We're going to have deliverance here in just a minute. Anybody else, your parents had a deliverance ministry? My daddy take me out back. I'd come back out. I'm healed, everybody. Ain't no, ain't no demon. He's gone. Anyway, number three, be careful of another gospel. All these ways that get to God, all roads lead to the same place. No, they don't. People, please answer the phone. Well, it don't matter if you're Buddhist or Muslim or moon, follow young moon, you know, and Jehovah Witness, Church of God prophecy. It don't matter. All of them lead the same place. All roads don't lead to Florida. I believe they do. Get on one. Get on 75 North and drive your heart out. I, I, this, this whole car, people believe just like me. It don't change the fact. You can have a caravan of people that believe like you. 75 North doesn't go to Florida. It goes away from Florida. And all roads don't lead to God. Broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go then thereat. But narrow is the way that leadeth unto life. And few find it. And Jesus said, if you're looking, I'll tell you. I am the way. I'm it. I'm the door. I'm the gate. And I'm the only name under heaven. I'm it. Be careful of another gospel that says, well, Jesus is the way, but there's other ways. No. No. Let them call me the names that they want to call me. But when he comes for me, call me gone. Here. Be careful of another gospel, one that is not bloodless. Be careful of the people that just preach God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. Won't you let God love you? I want God to love me. God loves you. He forgave you. Not without blood, you don't. I just believe that we're all God's children. No, we aren't. There are vessels dedicated unto wrath and destruction, and they're vessels of life. God only wants to know one thing. He's grouped us all together in sin. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is not none righteous, no, not one. He wants to know who is standing under a blood-covered doorpost. This is how I know that I'm saved. Because Jesus Christ is my substitute. And he died. They stripped him, whipped him up a hill. They beat him to the point where no one would recognize him for my sins. 
And he took his blood into the heavenly tabernacle. And when he placed it on the mercy seat, the veil, not the earthly veil alone in Jerusalem that ripped, but the heavenly veil ripped from top to bottom. And I have access to God through his shed blood for my life. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. None. I prayed. I walked the aisle. I asked God to forgive me. Based on what? I just asked him to forgive me. Based on what? You must know your desperation. You must know your guilt. And you must know his sacrifice. That's why we must share the gospel with people. We must share the message. Paul said, don't you listen to another gospel that said God loves everybody? Well, God loves the world, but those without Christ will be cast alive into a lake that burns with fire and brimstone. He accepts those that have accepted the atoning work of Jesus Christ in their life. Be careful of another gospel, one that is not exclusive. Be careful of one that is man-centered. Be careful of a gospel that's not finished and perfect. Finished. I don't have to add anything to what Jesus did for me so that God would accept me. Now, once accepted, I make a lot of changes and I do a lot of work to prove the change, but not to be accepted. I don't have to ride a 10 speed. I don't have to go door to door. I don't have to give you my money. I don't have to lift a hand in praise. I don't have to pray. I don't have to do anything except accept. Now, once I accept and I'm recreated, He's going to change me. The Holy Spirit starts working and he's calling me out of all that mess into newness of life. But the gospel in and of itself is finished and perfect. And be careful of another gospel that does not originate with the heart and mind of God. And finally, the simplicity of Christ. Y'all getting something out of this this morning? Amen. What is the simplicity of Christ, John? You told us... Not to accept another Jesus, not to accept another spirit, and not to accept another gospel. This is the simplicity of Christ, is that you have been chosen by God. The scripture says in John 15, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. So whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Here's the simplicity of the Christian life. I did not come to God. God came to me. And he said, before you were born, before your daddy met your mother and winked at her, before they ever came together, I chose you. Do you see how much pressure that takes off in the Christian life? That I was elected by God, not based on merit, not based on productivity, not based on giftedness or visibility or any works. He chose me. Let me tell you the healing virtue of that when you see it. Your rejection of me can no longer control me because I've been chosen. Will it affect me? Yes. Will it hurt me when you reject me? Yes, but the lesser rejected me, but the greater has chosen me. And he won't ever turn on me. So I'll see your rejection and I'll raise you chosen. The simplicity of Christ is that you've been redeemed. Titus 2, 14 says, Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 
He paid for me. I told you two weeks ago that you can have a child by accident. But you can't adopt a child by accident. That's why he put in my spirit a cry of adoption that says, Abba, Daddy, Father, you picked me. You paid for my sins. I'd sold myself to the lowest bidder living in all types of depravity and sinfulness. And you said, I want John. And you paid for me, not with the blood of bulls and goats, but with the precious blood of the Son of God as of a lamb without spot and blemish. I've not only been chosen, I've been paid for. He didn't pay a down payment. He paid for me. I've been bought back. Christians don't want to hear this today. You're not your own anymore. You were bought with a price. You don't own yourself. God gets to decide where you work, who you hang out with, where you serve. I'll show you how countercultural the church is today from the Word of God. We pick churches based on our needs. You might have picked this place on your needs. And if you did, you need to go home and ask God, is this where you're supposed to be? Well, that ain't a way to draw a crowd. He didn't ask me to draw a crowd. He asked me to preach the truth. Where do you want me, Lord? Where do you want me? Where do you, how do you want to use me? You bought me, and I'm not my own. That means I don't get to pick. <laughs> There's a little sign like, Jesus is my co-pilot. That didn't work when I got saved. He took the keys to the plane. He took the whole thing. Co-pilot. John, you get in the luggage. I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to drive this thing. No, I've, I've been seated with honor and great glory, but I'm not confused on who the Lord is. The simplicity of Christ is that you have been eternally secured. 2 Corinthians 1 says, Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us as God, and he has sealed us and give us the earnest of our spirits, earnest of his spirit in our hearts. Let me just say this about eternal security. I've got a lot of people that were raised in Pentecostal charismatic churches where you saved and lost, you know, 10, 15 times a year. You know, I was saved in March, but I fell away in April and I'm back saved in May. And I'm like, well, then you got the other camp that says, I prayed a prayer and I was water baptized and I've lived like hell for 20 years and I'm saved. Well, how about this? When I was born again, once I'm a son, I can't be an unson. I'm either a son of honor or a son of dishonor. And I did a, a long, several-week study on unconditional eternal security one day. I, I studied it out. I took every verse I could find and studied it out. And this may not, depending on which side you stand on, uh, you may like what I'm going to tell you or not. And here's what I came up with. I wrote at the very end, those that worry about it should. <laughs> I don't think I'm saved. I said, you probably ain't. And those of you that just think you are and you live like you want, well... That's your soul. You're rolling the dice. I know this. I am eternally secure through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Your salvation, the simplicity of Christ is this. Your salvation was not your idea, but it was God's. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of man, but of God. So it wasn't my prayer? Mm -mm. He, You were dead. He quickened you just enough where you'd know he was dealing with you, turned your face towards him, gave you repentance, 
conviction, which is permission to repent, <laughs> gave you the breath to repent, the desire to repent, the inspiration to repent, and you repented and said, I found the Lord. He didn't find God. See how we can't glory? Salvation was of the Lord, not of man. If our musician would come, please. The simplicity of Christ is the key to everything in your spiritual life is found in abiding in Him. Abide in me, and I in you. And as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, so more, no more can you, except you abide in me. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Here's the simplicity of Christ. Live with the Lord. Greet the Lord in the morning. Ask His Holy Spirit to be free reign in you. Show, show you anything in your life that's not right. Repent of the things that aren't right. Change. Walk with the Lord. And the Bible says if you abide with the Lord, you'll look on the limbs of your life and things will start to sprout like this. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. It's not through your effort. It's through your abiding. Okay. This New Year's resolution, I'm going to be patient if it kills me. I'm going to be patient. And the problem with that is it kills you. But if I abide and the sap of His Holy Spirit flows through my life, I'll find worry start to fade away because He ain't worried and I'm taking juice from Him. He's good. He's confident. He's secure. He's patient. And the change happens not through effort, not through getting the new four DVD series on how to be patient although that can help you get convicted I guess it's abiding it's so simple a child can do it one or two more and I'll let you go the simplicity of God is this of Christ in your life all things work together for good to those who love the Lord and are called according to his purpose all things trauma tragedy success Disappointment, failure, weakness, strength, promotion, demotion, lack, abundance. Here's the simplicity. No matter what you hit me with, God is going to use it for his glory in my life. Do you see how freeing that is? When it's bad, it'll be good. When it's good, it'll be good. It's not that it's good in the moment. It's that no matter what happens to my life, God is the author and the finisher of my faith and he's going to orchestrate my life to the glory of his son so I can just tell the Lord at the end of a horrible day good night Lord see you in the morning simple simple finally the simplicity of Christ is that nothing can separate you from the love of God it's not effort it's not the way you pray it's not how you pray it's that when you take a tea bag and put it in hot water and the hot water turns into tea you can't take the tea out of the water and you can't take the water out of the tea it's tea he blended me with him my life is hid with Christ in God and he is going to finish the work that he started in me until he brings me home. And nothing can separate me from the love of God. Paul said, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, 
nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, no height, no depth, no creature that's ever been created can separate me from the love of God. Nothing. Be careful that you not be talked into another Jesus, another spirit, or another gospel. I pray over you that you not be deceived like Eve was in the garden through fancy words and signs and wonders. Be careful of the spokespeople that try to take your affections from the Lord. Make sure that you walk in simplicity and meekness so that nobody take from you the simplicity of knowing Jesus as your Savior. It boils down to this. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones like me to him belong. Oh, I'm real weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, he loves me. The Bible tells me so. Well, you sound as childish as anything I've ever heard. Thank you, because it's children that see the kingdom. I think I've got it back right again. Amen? Yes, give the Lord a hand. Yes. I rarely do this, especially because of how far back it goes, because some people think that once you've played something and it's no longer the style that, you know, God only uses what's been out the last two weeks kind of thing, you know. And I understand being old and all of this, but I want to play a song for you. Thank you, Lisa. That was very good. Thank you. I want to play a song in just a moment. I just want to give you a 15-second discourse. It was at a time in my Christian life when I heard this song. It spoke the heart of today. I remember hearing it, and I just stopped what I was doing, and I never moved. It was like the words of the song was the echo of my heart. And I was like, that is, yes, that's me. And I would like to just play this over you. It may not have the impact that deep for you. But it's what I wanted to say this morning in the message in song form. So 20 years ago, I had an experience with God. And I'm preaching about it 20 years later. So if you play that song for me. Christ alone will I glory Though I could pride myself in battles won For I've been blessed beyond measure And by His strength alone I overcome Oh, I could stop and count successes Like diamonds in my hand But those trophies could not equal To the grace by which I stand In Christ alone I place my trust
Have a wonderful Lord's Day and enjoy the simplicity of Christ this week. God bless you.